Part two, chapter eighteen of Cupid in Africa by Percival Christopher Wren. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part two, chapter eighteen, trial. After breakfast, Bertram attended court, which was a table under a tree, and took his seat on the bench, an inverted pale, as a ruler and a judge, for the first and last time in his life. He felt that it was a strange and terrible thing that he should thus be suddenly called upon to try a man for his life. Suppose that his two fellow judges, Berners and Clarence, disagreed as to the death sentence, and he had to give his verdict, knowing that a man's life depended on it. A couple of Ascaris of the King's African Rifles, police orderlies of Lisi Lindsay's, brought in the prisoner. He was a powerful and decidedly evil-looking negro, clad in a striped petticoat. He had more of the appearance of furtive intelligence than is usual with Shenzes of his tribe. Bertram decided that he carried his guilt in his face, and had trickster and traitor written all over it. He then rebuked himself for prejudging the case, and entertaining prejudice against an untried and possibly innocent man. "'Guilty,' said Augustus Gus. "'Who's coming for a walk?' "'I'm President of this court,' replied Berners. "'Who asks you to open your head? If I'm not sure as to his guilt, I may consult you later, or I may not.' "'Look here, Berners, let's do the thing properly,' was the reply. "'There's a maxim.' or is it a hotchkiss, of English law which says that a man is to be considered guilty until he is proved to be innocent. Therefore we start fair. He is guilty, I say. Now we've got to prove him innocent. Do be a sport and give the poor blighter a show. I believe it's the other way about, said Berners. Oh, indeed, commented Augustus. You'd say the fellow's innocent and then start to prove him guilty, would you? Dirty trick, I call it. Filthy habit. Wavell appeared at the entrance of his tent, holding a green, silk-covered book in his hand. The cover was richly embroidered, and had a flap, like that of an envelope, provided with strings for tying it down. It was a copy of the Koran, and on it all witnesses were sworn, repeating an oath, administered by Wavell, in Arabic. "'Ready?' he asked of the President, and proceeded with great patience, skill, and knowledge, of languages and dialects, to interpret the statements of Wadigos, Swahilis, Arabs, and assorted Africans— Occasionally it was beyond his power, or that of any human being, to convey the meaning of some simple question to a savage mind, and to get a rational answer. For the prosecution, Lindsay, who was down with dysentery, had produced fellow villagers of the accused, from each of whom Wavell obtained the same story. Prisoner was enamoured of a daughter of the headman of the village, and, because his suit was dismissed by this gentleman, he had led a German raiding party to the place, and, moreover, had shown them where hidden treasures were cached, and where fowls, goats, and cattle had been penned in the jungle, and where grain was stored. Also he had smelt out enemies of the Germanis among his former neighbours, wicked men, who, he said, had led English raiding parties into the country of the Germanis, and had otherwise injured them. These enemies of the Germanis were all, as it happened, enemies of his own. When this raiding party of Ascaris, led by half a dozen Germanis, had burnt the village, killed all the villagers who had not escaped in time, and carried off all they wanted in the way of livestock, women, grain, and gear, they had rewarded accused with a share of the loot. "'Do they all tell the same tale in the same way, as though they had concocted it and learnt it by heart?' asked Bertram. "'No,' replied Wavell. "'I didn't get that impression.' "'Let's question them one by one,' said Berners. A very, very old man, a sort of witch-doctor, 
or priest by his ornaments entered the witness-box otherwise arose from the group of witnesses and stood before the court to leeward by request hello grandpa how's things said augustus the ancient ruin mumbled something in swahili and peered with horny eyes beneath roomy shrivelled lids at the court as he stood trembling his palsied head a-shake don't waggle your head at me rudolph said augustus severely as the old man fixed him with a wild and glassy eye i'm not going to uphold you phew what an odour of sanctity you're a high priest you know and murmured as he sought his handkerchief poignant searching the old man repeated his former mumble he says he did not mean to steal the tobacco interpreted wavell a sort of accident that might happen to anybody what observed augustus ask him if he knows the prisoner the question was put to him in his own tongue and unfalteringly he replied that he had not meant to steal the tobacco had not really stolen it in fact patiently wavell asked and patiently he was answered do you know the prisoner i never steal do you know this man tobacco i would never steal what is this man's name tobacco have you ever seen that man before what man this one yes he is the prisoner when have you seen him before last night when before that he ate rice with us last night he is the prisoner do you know him well yes i know he is the prisoner he stole the tobacco have you known him long no he is only a young man he steals tobacco does he come from your village yes have you known him all his life no because he went and spent some time in the Germanis country. I think he went to steal tobacco. Did he come back alone from the Germanis country? No. He brought Askaris and Muzangos, or white men. They killed my people and burnt my village. You are sure it was this man who brought them? Is he not a prisoner? Suddenly an ancient hag rose from the group of witnesses and bounded into court. At the feet of Wavell she poured forth a torrent of impassioned speech. "'Cheer up, auntie,' quoth Augustus, and, as the woman ceased, added, "'Ask her if she'd come to Paris for the weekend.' "'What does she say?' inquired the President of the Court. "'In effect, that she will be security for witnesses' good behaviour, as he is her only child and never steals tobacco. He only took the tobacco because he wanted a smoke.' He is ninety years of age, and a good obedient son to her. It is her fault for not looking after him better. She hopes he will not be hung, as he is already an orphan, and would then be a childless orphan. She undertakes to beat him with a runga, or club. "'Does she identify prisoner as the man who led the German raiding party?' asked Bertram, after Augustus had called for three loud cheers for the witness had been himself called to order by the president and had threatened that he would not play if further annoyed by that official again in careful swahili wavell endeavoured to find traces of evidence for or against the accused do you know this man yes buana who is he the prisoner buana makuba great master why is he a prisoner because he brought the germanis to pongwa oh buana makuba sana very great master how do you know he brought the germanis to pongwa 
because he has been made prisoner for doing so o puana makuba kabisa sana very greatest master do you know anything about him he is the man who stole the tobacco which my little boy took all being translated and laid before the court it was decided that so far prisoner was scarcely proven guilty let's ask him whether he would like to say anything as to the evidence of the last two witnesses suggested bertram he doesn't understand swahili objected berners i feel sure he does replied bertram i've been watching his face he half grinned when they talked about tobacco and looked venomous when they talked about him do you understand swahili asked wavell suddenly of the prisoner no not a word replied the individual in the same tongue can you speak it no not a word he reaffirmed in swahili well did the last two witnesses tell the truth about you they did not i have never seen them before they have never seen me before i do not know where pangwa is i think this is a very fine trial i like it other witnesses swore that the accused had indeed done the treacherous deed one swore with such emphasis and certainty that he carried convictions to the minds of the court until it was discovered that witness was swearing that prisoner had stolen a bundle of leaf tobacco from the son of the woman who was an orphan the court soon found that it could tell when a point was scored against the defendant without waiting for a translation inasmuch as he always seized his stomach with both hands groaned rolled his eyes and cried that he was suffering horribly from tumbo when evidence was going on favourably at length all witnesses had been examined even unto the last who swore he was the prisoner's brother and that he saw the prisoner leading the germanis and lo it wasn't his brother at all and concluded with yes this is true evidence i have spoken well i can prove it for i can produce the sophoria or cooking-pot which prisoner gave to me to say that i am his brother and to speak these truths he is my innocent brother and was elsewhere when he led the germanis to pongwa let's give him something out of the poor box suggested augustus when this speech was interpreted and then marred this intimation of kindly feelings by adding and then hang the lot of them has the prisoner anything to say asked the president the prisoner had this is a good trial quoth he in swahili i am now an important man all the witnesses are liars i have never seen any of them before i do not associate with such i have never seen pangwa and i have never seen a germani i will tell wavell looked at him suddenly but made no movement noch nichte said he in german very quietly the man stopped talking at once you understand german you speak german said wavell in that language and pointing at him accusingly answer quickly you speak german ganz kein wenig just a little replied the prisoner adding in english i am a very clever man and then in german ich hab kein english prisoner has never seen a germani but he understands german wrote bertram in his notes of the trial also swahili and english please ask him if he hasn't had enough trial now and wouldn't he like to be hanged to save further trouble said augustus tiffin taya hai sahib or lunch is ready sahib said the mess butler approaching the president and the court adjourned the afternoon session of the court proved dull up to the moment when the lady who was an orphan and the mother of the ninety-year-old bounded into court with a scream of ask him where he got his petticoat apparently this was very distressful to the defendant for he was instantly seized with violent stomachic pains poignant searching murmured augustus where did you get that merikani 
asked the wavel of the prisoner, pointing to his only garment. "'He got it from the Germanis. It was part of his share of the loot,' screamed the old lady. "'It is from my own shop. I know that by the mark.' And she pointed to a trademark and number stenciled in white paint upon the selvage of the loincloth. Terrible agonies racked the prisoner as he replied, "'She is a liar!' "'Trademarks don't prove much,' remarked the President. "'My pants and vest might have the same trademark as the Kaiser's, but that wouldn't prove he stole them from me.' The sense of this remark was conveyed to the witness. "'Then see if a mark like this is not in the corner of that piece of Americani,' said the old lady, and plucking up her own wardrobe showed where a small design was crudely stitched. The Ascaris in charge of the prisoner quickly demonstrated that an identical laundry mark ornamented his also, presumably the worthy woman's secret price mark or else her monogram. Terrific agonies seized the prisoner, and with a groan of Dumbo he sank to the ground. A kick from each of the Ascaris revived him, and he arose promptly and took a bright interest in the subsequent proceedings, which consisted largely in the swearing by several of the villagers that they had seen the Germanis loot the old lady's store and throw some pieces of the Maricani to the accused. Two of the witnesses were wearing petticoats which they had brought from the female witness and which bore her private mark. "'Gentlemen,' said the President at length, "'I should like your written findings by six o'clock this evening together with the sentence you would impose if you were sole judge in this case.' The court is deeply indebted to Captain Wavell for his courteous and most valuable assistance as interpreter. The witnesses may be discharged and the prisoner removed to custody. Clear the blasted court, in fact, and come to the Bristol Bar. Oh, hang it all, Berners, objected Augustus. Let's hang him now. We can watch him dangle while we have tea. But the court had risen, and the President was asking where the devil some bally fat-headed fool had just put his helmet, eh? For an hour Bertram sat in his banda with throbbing, aching head, considering his verdict. He believed the man to be a spy and a treacherous, murderous scoundrel, but what was really proven, save that he knew German and wore a garment marked similarly to those of three inhabitants of Pongwa? Were these facts sufficient to warrant the passing of the death sentence, and to justify Bertram Green, who, till a few days ago, was the mildest of lay civilians, to take the responsibility of a hanging judge and imbrue his hands with the blood of this man? If all that was suspected of him were true, what, after all, was he but a savage, a barbarous product of barbaric uncivilization? What right had any one to apply the standards of a cultured white man from London to a savage black man from Pongwa, a savage who had been degraded and contaminated by contact with Germans, moreover? After many unsatisfactory efforts, he finally wrote out his judgment on leaves torn from his military pocket-book and proposed as verdict that the prisoner be confined for the duration of the war as a spy, and receive twenty-five strokes of the caboco for perjury. On repairing to Berner's hut at the appointed time, he found that Clarence had written a longer and better judgment than his own, and had proposed as sentence that the accused be detained during the King's pleasure at Mombasa jail, since it was evident that he had dealings with Germans, and had recently been in German East Africa he found the charge of leading a German raiding party not proven. The sentence of the President was that the prisoner should receive twenty lashes and two years' imprisonment for receiving stolen goods, well knowing them to be stolen, and for committing perjury. "'And that ought to dish the lad till the end of the war,' observed he. "'Whereafter he'll have precious small use for his German linguistic lore, unless he goes to Berlin for the Iron Cross, or a commission in the Potsdamer Poison Gas Guards or something, what?'
End of part two, chapter eighteen.